Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number seven, and this will be the last of these video messages answering the question, is the law bad? I hope that you have had an incredible transformation in your life about understanding how to relate to the law so that so that you can value it, you can, you can uh, learn by it, you can grow in wisdom by it, but you'll never succumb to it. You'll never come under the law. You'll never be controlled by the law. You'll never turn it into something negative. You'll never turn it into works righteousness. That is such a paradox. And this, I'm telling you, only by relating to God from your heart can you ever come to that place like we discussed in the previous scripture from Revelation about the people who have patience and that endure during the end times are the people who keep the commandments and they keep their faith in Jesus. That seems impossible. And the way people fight out here about about the law and grace and faith and all that kind of stuff, it, it would just seem like you got to pick a side and then just fight to win. No, the real truth is the Word of God, when we see it as the Logos, when we see it what it looks like in real life, when we see it what it looks like as Jesus demonstrated it, then there are no contradictions, there are no real paradoxes, and all truths complement all of the truths. Today, we're going to be talking about the law fulfilled. And man, I got so much coverage. Listen, we, I could do 10 more, I could do 10 more sessions in this, but I think from this point on, you should really be able to get it for yourself and put these pieces together in other places. So the law, like everything that God does, has really multiple uh, goals. It has many dimensions of application. God never does anything that I know of just for one simple purpose. Everything that God does reveals patterns about who he is. See, our tendency is to, to want to think like Gentiles where we come up with, you know, one this one answer is right, this one answer is wrong. And so we're going to pick whichever one we think is right, and we have one way of seeing something. Well, you know, I've always said this, that truth, truth is absolute. But the application of truth is 100% variable. And God will show us the truth of the word. And we've discussed what truth means. I've defined that all the way through here. God will show us the truth of the word. And part of grasping the truth means I'm now going to follow him and the application uh, of this word in my life so that at the end, he gets all the glory and I become more uh, connected to him. So the truth is absolute, it's, un it's unchangeable, it's unshakable, but the application is something that we need the Holy Spirit's leadership to know how to do and stay on track. But the law, like everything else, has multiple goals. One of the most interesting goals of the law is to reveal righteousness. Now, don't get confused. I'm not saying it will make you righteous. It will not make you righteous, as a matter of fact trying to be made righteous by the law will ensure that you are unrighteous because the only righteousness that is acceptable to God is faith righteousness. And faith righteousness is rooted in the fact 
that we believe that Jesus uh, took our sins, paid the price for our sins, was raised from the dead, conquering our sins, and set down the right hand of God. And because we are in him, he is our righteousness. But if you didn't have the law, we would have nothing to explain what righteousness looks like. The law tells us what it looks like. Now, it can't make us righteous. And keep in mind, it's not true righteousness if it is not carried out with the same motive and the same intention that God had for giving it. And I'm telling you, this this is something that's it just can't be an intellectual pursuit. It's got to be real in your heart. But God also gave us uh, the law, amazingly, to show us how to walk in love. You see, without without definitions, you know, we use the word mercy. And sometimes I'll, I'll hear a person they'll talk about mercy. And many times I'll ask them, well, just know exactly what do you mean by the word mercy? And they're describing something that's very flowery and, and very uh, new agey and but but maybe contradicts all of the scriptures. And because they value their definition of mercy more than they value God himself, then they're going to stick to their definition of mercy. And they're just going to say, well, that's what God showed me. Well, no, God didn't show that to anybody. If it is contrary to scripture, God did not show it to him. God did not teach it to him. So we come up with definitions, words like mercy, words like uh, forgiveness, words like peace. We come up with all kinds of words that many times the definitions of those words contradict the scripture. And so the truth is we are, we are deceiving ourselves. So the only way we know how to walk in love is to know what God considers love. How does God express his value uh, for people? Until we know that, then we have no idea what love really is. Also, you know, the law provided this incredible system of justice. I, I tell you, I wish, I wish I had the time to just spend hours just going through all the ways that the law actually transformed all of Western civilization and brought Western civilization because of its belief and, the, and at least the Judeo-Christian values out of the Dark Ages. So the, one of the greatest systems of justice uh, that has ever influenced the world came as a result of the law. Also, this justice that God provides through, through understanding the law, uh, or, or excuse me, th this, this truth that God provides so that we understand justice also is the way that we protect our hearts. You know, the Bible tells us or uh, gives us this example about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, righteousness is what God guards your heart, and righteousness is in Jesus, but it is defined in the law. One of the most interesting functions, though, of the law is that it is a tutor. Now, in the book of Galatians, the third chapter, it tells us this, verse 23, but before the law came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we no longer need a tutor. So the law gave us boundaries, moral ethics, and, and standards uh, that served to help us know whether or not we were on the path of civilization or not. And so, so it, in time, one of the things that the law would have done 
the law would have revealed to us that it was impossible for us to keep all of these laws, to always walk in love, to always walk in kindness, to always tell the truth. And so we saw this need for something greater than the law. Not that we want to throw away those laws, not that we thought that those laws didn't have value. They did have value. They, they provided a peaceful society. They provided harmony in people's homes. They provided ways to have meaningful marriages and raise kids and do business, all these things that we needed. But the problem is we could not do it in our own strength. Thus, we came to realize we needed a Savior. And so it prepared us for Jesus. And now we turn to Jesus, and now we are no longer under the tutelage of the law. The law is not there tutoring us, and we're not always we're not striving to fulfill the law in that sense, or to obey the law in that sense, as much as we're striving to walk with Jesus because He did fill the law. He showed us what it looked like in in real life to do every single thing that the law ever said. But one of the things that I, this is this is. The way I interpret this, you may not interpret it this way, but uh, uh, because this passage of Scripture right here, many people believe that now that now that faith has come. By the way, it, you notice it, it doesn't say now that grace has come, and many people will kind of uh, impose that in, when they're quoting this verse or similar verses. They'll say that now that grace is here, then we have no need for the law. Well, that's absolutely not what it's saying. It's saying now that faith has come. So faith is when you first believe something that God has already said. So faith believes that the law is how God presents himself. Faith believes that when God said, be holy because I'm holy, and then he gave the law, he said, this is how I treat you, so this is how I want you to treat each other. And But remember, the difference is it was always done with an intention to bond man to God an intention to make it possible to establish the kingdom here on earth, and uh, it was always done through the motive of love. And so faith said, all right, that's what I want to do. I want to be like God. Here's a description of God, so I'm, go I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, take his yoke upon me. I'm going to get in sync with him, and everything that I do, I want to be like God. And so faith takes that next step and, and accepts and believes that the, the righteousness that we have is not from the law, but it's from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it is from the law because Jesus obeyed the law. Jesus walked and never one time violated any law. So actually, he got his righteousness uh, by the law. But you understand, we are in him and we share in what he has, which is by faith. So I'm telling you, this can get more. This can get more complicated than the simple statements that people try to re reduce it down to. But many people believe that because of, uh, of this passage of scripture in Galatians, that means there is absolutely no no value for having guidelines in life. Well, if you don't have guidelines in life, your children will grow up to be to be worthless rebels. They will grow up to be hoodlums. They will grow up to be thieves and liars and immoral and, un and ungodly people. And that's that's why uh, one of the very first scriptures we looked at when we were trying to see if the law was good or bad, it said that the law is for lawbreakers. The law is 
uh, for people who don't have a heart for God. The law is there for people who have no morals and values and standards of their own. So, so the the law is not useless. The law is not done away with, but we don't live by the letter of the law. We live by the spirit of the law. We are yielded to the spirit of God. We have learned God's word. We understand God's values, and we want to we want to walk in harmony with that truth because we want to be like Jesus. So, you know, when you're raising a child, I've, I have seen people do this. They've gotten caught up in some extreme beliefs where they they're convinced that their children, apart from being born again, uh, that their children are going are going to learn by grace. Well, no, no, they're not. They have to have this same tutor that says, this is right, this is wrong. You know, you, you don't hit your sister. You don't bite your brother. You don't do all these destructive things. You don't lie to each other. You don't, you know, and, and so at some point, they come to understand that they need a savior and they need to come to a place of faith individually. But I, I'll tell you one of, the, one of the most interesting places. I'm just going to touch on this just, I mean, just barely. Um, in the book of Galatians, if you if we go through and, and read it, it talks about how the process whereby a person moves from being a child in a family to being a son. Now, we are sons of God, but we have not all stepped into that place with God where we are living in our inheritance. And it's not because God has withheld it from us. It's not because we're trying to earn that. It is because we have not yet walked through our life and developed our heart, developed our faith, so that we can take hold of who we are in Jesus and what we were called to do. You know, when I first gave my life to the Lord, within the first few years after I was a believer, the Lord spoke to me and said uh, that I'd be 50 years old before I would begin to walk in my calling. Man, a lot. Well, you know, I, I lived a great life. I had struggles like everybody else had. I had ups, I had downs, I had failures, I had successes, but all in all, had a great, great relationship with God, loved, loved life, loved everything that I did. But the real truth is, I wasn't ready to step into my true destiny until I was 50 years old. Now, so you, you have this this uh, explained in the book of Galatians, where it says that that uh, uh, even though someone is a son, he is put under a teacher, and that teacher is to train him and develop him until he reaches an age, and the teacher actually then goes to the father of the household and says, he, he's ready, you know, if you're ready to retire he is ready. He can begin to step up. And now he can begin to manage the resources of your kingdom. So we start realizing then that stewardship is about stepping into sonship. As a matter of fact, it's interesting when you look at the scriptures that have to do with heirs and being heirs and joint heirs of God, that's nearly all, always used in conjunction with being sons of God. So there's a difference uh, in a certain sense between being a child of God and being a son of God. You're a child of God. You're born of God. You have all the rights and privileges of a son, but you haven't stepped into that yet. And so there's that same picture of a tutor, which tells me 
that that even as a believer who has come under grace, I've got a tutor, and that tutor is the Holy Spirit, and he's going to develop me if I follow him, if I listen to him, he's going to develop me, and he's going to use the scripture to develop me and to train me and to teach me how to deal with my life and deal uh, deal with my calling, deal with my destiny, how to minister to people, how to serve people, how to raise kids, how to earn money, all of that kind of stuff. So you might want to you might want to look at the book of Galatians and kind of pick up on some of that. Now, one of the greatest misunderstandings that we have is that the law is done away with. Well, we have discovered in this series that the law is not done away with. Uh, the covenant, the old covenant is done away with, and we now have a new covenant. We do know that the law is done away as far as uh, seek using the law for righteousness. We, we do understand that to be a factual thing. But you have to, we have to realize that one of the great problems that has faced the church for quite a long time, it, it began all the way back into in, to er, early Catholicism, where you know the, the Pope could pre, could speak ex cathedra. He could sit on his throne. He could declare any word in the Bible to be unacceptable or he could declare that it needed to be redefined. And so the idea, their idea of a living word is, a, is something that's alive because it's alive, it can be changed. And so many, many, many times, definitions in the Bible would be changed to mean something totally different from what they mean in the Koine Greek. Now, the Koine Greek is the common Greek that the people, that the people spoke in. So we had that happen on a very powerful religious level, but also just through superstitions, through ignorance, uh, through language problems, people began over the years to redefine words. This is what's going on right now with the wokeness in America. When you change words and words start taking on new meanings, ultimately you, you take over people's thought processes. And so, so one of the greatest things that the enemy ever did was got us where we didn't read the Bible for ourselves. We didn't study the Old Testament scriptures so that we could fully understand some of the New Testament scriptures. And it has just become this convoluted mess of everybody having their own truth. I hate that phrase. You don't have your own truth. There's one truth. That's God's truth. What you've got either lines up with God or it's a lie. And it's just that simple. So, but you find that around every significant doctrine in the Bible, there's always a struggle to uh, make sure that all the words are translated and interpreted properly and that they stay in harmony with all of the other words in, in the Bible. You know, as the Logos, one of the things about the Logos, the living word of God, that what it looks like in real life, there are no contradictions anywhere in uh, any of the words of the Bible, if you're looking at it from the Logos perspective. As a matter of fact, in the Logos perspective, every word is understood and defined by every other word that's in the Bible. It just becomes monumental, but only uh, that can only happen in your heart with the Holy Spirit as your teacher. That doesn't happen intellectually. But Jesus said this. You know, so many times I'll just have to say, well, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus really say? People will tell me their beliefs, and sometimes their beliefs are destroying their lives, uh, but they don't know what Jesus said. They just got their opinion. They got something that they heard. 
And Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says, don't think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So many people say, see, fulfill. If it's fulfilled, it's done away with. Uh, no, that's not what the word fulfilled means. You know, when a prophecy is fulfilled, that prophecy did not go away. But what happened is that prophecy uh, is that prophecy reached its fullness. It gave birth to what it had intended to give birth to. It brought forth the very thing that was intended behind it. And so when Jesus said that, he, he didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, but actually to fulfill it. He is saying, I am here personally as the fulfillment. I am here and I am going to show you what this looks like, what the law and the prophets look like when they are at their fullest, when they're being manifest right in front of you. And of course, we understand that he's going to do that and show us, again, the motive and the intentions that God had in all of the law and all the prophets. He says, for surely I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass away, uh, one jot or one tittle by no means will pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Well, this is not all going to be fulfilled until uh, the Antichrist and uh, the dragon and all the, their followers are cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, and the heavens and the earth are renovated, and we have a new heaven and new earth. That's when it's all going to be fulfilled. So the word fulfill means to carry something through until the end, to accomplish something, to, to take something until it comes into effect, to bring it to a realization. It's about reaching the goal. It's about hitting the target. And so Jesus said, I, I'm going to show you the goal behind the law. Now, remember, the law doesn't have the power to fulfill that goal in you. It just has, it just has the clarity to describe that goal for you but i want to talk to you first about this I, this this is this is really where all these pieces come together i want to talk to you about the royal law of love book of james says if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture you shall love your neighbor as yourself and you'll do well now you notice he didn't just say if you'll fulfill what you think is the royal law he didn't say if you will fulfill the law the way that you think it should be and feel. No, he said you should fulfill, if you will fulfill the royal law according to scripture, then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, first of all, uh, using the term the royal law of love is probably not 100% accurate because it's, it's not just saying that love itself is the is the be all end all of everything you know i've said this before and if any of you have listened to my series on faith righteousness you you've heard me talk about this or actually i've just mentioned this in a lot of my messages for the last few years there was a time in my life when you were to ask me if i get as deep in god as i can get what am i going to find when i get to the core of who god is what am i going to find and i would just say i would say love now, i didn't say that in the beginning of my walk with god but in my journey I start seeing the value that God had for love. But the real truth is when you get to the core of who God is, what you find is righteousness and, and then love and mercy and forgiveness and patience, all these things emerge from him and from his heart for righteousness because righteousness is what determines what keeps us in harmony with God or what gets us out of harmony with God. So Jesus says, 
you should love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'll tell you, I was looking, I, I was doing some research. I, even when I've taught something before, I go back and research it. I'm just not going to jump up here and act like I remember it all. But I always want to go back and say, am I missing this? Am I being prejudiced? Uh, Linsky, which is a lang mainly a language commentary, it says this. It says, this is stating that this scripture, which is a formulation of the law, is truly royal in quality. It emanates from God, the King of Kings. It is above all other laws. As a matter of fact, uh, since Jesus said upon th this and one other law, you hang all of the law and all the prophets, then you start realizing in the law, this law that we are told is so bad, in that very law, it tells us God's motive for all of the other laws. When he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself, and on these two hang all the law and all the prophets. So it is the law that people condemn that, in fact, tells us that the greatest of all of these attributes of the Holy Spirit and what God has to offer is that we love God, we love our neighbor, and actually we love or have value for ourselves. So this law explained the motive behind all laws and all of the prophets. So this is where I came to realize that God's motive behind everything that he did was love. But I learned about God's intention when I looked at creation and, and how that he had an intention in everything that he did. Now, I'm going to run through a bunch of scriptures as fast as I can because I only have a few minutes here. And, and I'm just going to comment very little on Romans 10, 4. Christ is the end of the law for, right, for righteousness to everyone who believes. So he's not the end of the law. He's the end of the law for righteousness. When you come to believe, it's not like that he had to come and say, I've changed my mind. The law is not going to make you righteous. Now, it never would make you righteous, but it only becomes the end of our efforts for righteousness when we come to believe. Romans 8, 4 says the righteous requirements of the law are that the righteous requirements of the law not be fulfilled or brought to their goal and brought to our purpose uh, in us who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the spirit. Romans 13, 8. Oh, no man anything except the except to love one another for he who loves one another has fulfilled all the law romans 13 10 love does no harm to his neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law bear one another's burden so that and so fulfill the law of christ uh james 2 8 9 like i said if you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture you will love your neighbor as yourself so in all of these passages it's telling us that we are fulfilling the law when we walk in love, as the scripture says, not love as television says, not love as, as we want to define it, but love that expresses a value and has this intention of bonding people to God, not bonding people to us. Uh, in all these passages, we see that if the law hits its target, if the law hits its goal, then it will always produce love in us. If the law is not our basis for defining love, mercy, goodness, grace, kindness, all of these things, then we're going to come up with something subjective and we're going to enter into private interpretation and we're going to pervert what God's motive was for giving us the law to start with. Listen, I hope this, I hope this has answered questions for you. I hope you can have a value for the law without becoming a legalist. 
I hope you can have a value for the law without trying to get yourself under law. And don't forget, uh, be sure and get the audio series with this. It goes a lot deeper. And you can now you can use these for Bible uh, home Bible studies, for church Bible studies. You can use these videos. We will do everything we can to multiply this message. Share this with people who are struggling. Share this with people who are getting bound up under the law and who, who think that they've got to obey it all to go to heaven. Listen, i got to start a new series next week. I hope you'll be here with me. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.